0: And welcome to the second episode of Untitled Jesus Talks. Um, today with me I have Tucker Thompson, um, who leads the Young Adults at IABC.
1: Um, Hello, how's it going? Glad to be here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will say, uh, it is interesting recording a podcast and not streaming, because it's like, you're not really talking to an audience You're talking to an assumed audience?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you're you're just kind of sitting there hoping that there will be people on the other end eventually.
0: Right. And so, you know, if if that counter stays at zero, it's kinda like, hmm, I wasn't really talking to anyone. (laughs) But um Yep. This uh today's episode is actually about prayer. Um and the and just kind of some general overall arcing questions on it. Um, mainly from my perspective, um, I don't really, uh, I make, I write questions that I don't, I'm not super confident of the answers to. Okay. Um, so the first question is actually, um, what are some of the most prominent examples of prayer in the Bible? Um, kind of, and then there's, uh, the next question are kind of related to this so it's a good yeah. segue but you know just yeah, for, you yeah.
1: Know. well so uh i i'm not just so uh, your listeners know in advance i'm not a a seminary graduate or anything like that and so uh you know just so they know <laughs> these answers are not coming from you know a pastor with a phd or anything like that uh i'm just a Technically, I'm just an intern, you know, even though I, I get to lead the young adults group. So I'll try to answer these to the very best of my ability. Uh, <laughs> with that, but but uh, so for me, you know, um, just just from a, 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 a I, I guess a personal um, uh, point of view, some of the most prominent examples of prayer uh, that, that come to mind for me are easily, I would say, like the, the Lord's Prayer. Um, and so the you know the example that that Jesus actually sets uh, for his disciples and and really for us as Christians. Um, I, I think that that's an easy one. Uh, you have um, examples like so so actually one of the really the really cool ones for me uh, it, it's another example of Jesus praying, but it's it's uh, when Jesus uh, is is in, I think it's when he's in the garden. Uh, it's before before he goes to the cross, but it's it's as you know he sees that cross set before him and and is you know preparing himself to go through with it and that he he prays you know first for himself and then he prays for his disciples and then he prays for all believers and it, it's it's one of I, I think one of the few if not the like the only um, period of extended prayer that we see like actually recorded in the scriptures. We know that Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer, obviously with the father. Um, and and we see that throughout scripture, um, throughout the new Testament and the gospels. But this is one of like the, the few, if not again, if not the only extended time that we see him spend in prayer with the father. And it's just a, it's a really fascinating, I think. Um, example of that I don't know as far as like uh, other prominent examples of prayer in the Bible <clears throat> right excuse me uh, uh, there I think there are probably a lot of examples in the Old Testament that we don't necessarily count as prayer Um I think simply because, like, when I when I think of prayer, I do think about like me being alone with God and and praying for stuff or about different things. But we see, you know, throughout the Old Testament, people speaking with God, and and I think that those are actually some some wonderful examples of prayer. And so, like Elijah, when he goes uh, off by himself after after he defeats the or or overcomes the 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 priest of Baal, uh, you know, he is he he runs out into the desert. Feels like he's all alone. He actually meets with God um, while he's out in the out in the desert alone. And I would say that that is a, a very prominent example of prayer. Even though God is the one who is doing most of the speaking in that situation. See, and I I
0: was thinking about this, and I think one that I tend to forget about. Um, is Daniel just before he's cast into the lion's den, or or really the reason that he's cast into the lion's den? Um, you know, he praying after the law had been made that you know you couldn't really do that, and uh, so the a lot of the country's leaders, you know, banded together to kind of uh, get get it to where the king threw him in the lion's den that just that literally just came up as I was thinking about it,
1: yeah well and i I really like that one because you know we what we see is that Daniel that it was a part of his life in that I think that's really interesting that I'm trying to find the uh the exact passage where we see him go and and pray um I don't think that it actually says anything about his uh his actual conversation with god you know it says oh here it is so in daniel 6 uh starting in verse 10 you know uh, it talks about how he hears that this document has been signed uh and he goes just like always back into his home and into and the window uh in his upstairs room, or he goes to his upstairs room and, and has that window open towards jerusalem and he does it you know three times a day He's, continues to get down on his knees pray and give thanks to God but it doesn't actually say what he talked about with God just the fact that this was this is how he lived his life you know this was a, a part of it
0: right and that actually um, it's kind of leads me into the next question of what were the conditions of prayer in the Old Testament and I think in this passage you know we see uh, he opened he prayed towards Jerusalem I know um, I know in uh, Islam it you are supposed to pray towards mecca um now this obviously happened long before muhammad um but you know i do i do start to think you know maybe something was taken from the bible to that i don't i don't know um i'm not not a bible scholar
1: i'm not entirely sure either you know i i I took a class Maybe, maybe two years ago, on Second Temple Judaism and some of the practices in that. But the idea of praying towards Jerusalem isn't really, uh, at least from what I know and, and have read, I don't believe that's like a common practice in Israel or, or by the Israelites to, uh, to pray towards Jerusalem. This is one of the only examples of that that I, that I am aware of.
0: I think, yeah, I don't, I can't recall anything else um, about praying towards Jerusalem. Uh, I, I do kind of, uh, I start to wonder about, you know, how God uh, responded through prayer. Because um, I know kind of today, you know, we we don't always get that instantaneous answer. And I don't believe Daniel in this passage um, gets an instantaneous Answer. Um, but you know, with Moses uh, and the Israelites after the construction of the temple, especially.
1: Yeah, well, and, and just on that, that topic, uh, if you're okay with me tangenting, tan, tan, going on a tangent, <laughs> I don't know what the verb form of that is, but. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, tangenting, I, I think, is what we'll, we'll just. <laughs> go ahead and coin that word uh we're, we're going through a book right now um called the celebration of discipline that's uh, by a guy named richard foster it was like originally published in like 1978 uh and and has been a, a classic in seminaries uh for for decades now and uh we're going through it in our college leadership team right now and this actually this past week um that they read through uh, chapter three, or, or at least a part of chapter three over the discipline of prayer. And and in it, you know, I was talking with some people after um, after they finished discussing the book and stuff or, or discussing that chapter for the evening. And, and a lot of them had issues with, uh, there's a section of the book, and it may talk about it more in depth later on, but like on the second page of that chapter, uh he goes into to quote uh james 4 3 he says you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions to ask rightly involves transformed passions and prayer real prayer we begin to think god's thoughts after him to desire the things he desires to love the things he loves to will the things he wills progressively we are taught to see things from his point of view and and their issue with it and i think he does talk about this uh at more length later on in the chapter but the idea that when we are praying to God uh, shouldn't our prayers be answered and and some of them were kind of wrestling with that because I, I I think for a lot of them they feel like they haven't had or seen their prayers be answered or or you know certainly not the maybe the way that they expect it to be answered and so but it, it's just kind of an interesting idea of like we, we should go to God in confidence that what we are praying for, you know, will be answered. You know, there's the, there are passages in the New Testament, like, you know, ask and, and you shall receive, you know, whatever you ask of the father in my name, like you will be given it and, and stuff. And yet we also know that that's not always how it works, that uh, we do pray for things. And a lot of times, you know, like Steve even preached, uh, just, a a couple of Sundays ago, um, and in his sermon, you know, one of the things that he said was uh, sometimes, like, there there are three answers or whatever, uh, and this is, like, a in, in a lot of ways, he said this is kind of an overgeneralization, obviously, uh, but, but it, it can be very easy to think of, you know, God's answers and really falling into one of three categories, either yes, or not yet, or I have a better way. And uh, but even in that, like he was he was kind of addressing the fact that we should we should receive like an answer from God. It's just a lot of times like it, it may not necessarily be what we expect. I don't know. Anyways, long, long tangent. But I just had a conversation with several people who were conflicted over that passage, talking about how we should receive what we are praying for. Uh, and he- yet we a lot of times don't.
0: That actually uh, brings me to one of my questions: Um, What exactly is prayer? Um, Because you know, I I hear you know it—it's talking to God and it's having a conversation. What exactly does prayer entail?
1: So, I guess first I'll kind of—I don't think it counts really as naming the elephant in the room, but I think most people would would agree that a, a, a very basic. View of prayer is, um, you know, that that just going to to God, you know, getting down on your hands and knees before bed to pray to God and to ask Him, you know, for the stuff that you need that day or whatever. I think that's kind of how I I grew up viewing prayer was just it's this kind of ritualistic, like yeah, it's it's with God and I'm speaking to God, but it's it's just this thing that I've got to do. especially if I want to get the stuff that I'm asking him for, like I need to actually pray to him and ask him for those things. Um, and, and I, I hope, (laughs) I hope, uh, that I have matured uh, spiritually since then in at least some ways. And I think one of the things that I've kind of grown in is just my view of prayer and, and what it entails and, and, and what it really is, uh, at heart and so i well yes you know i think talking to god and and asking god for things and including forgiveness like i think that falls under the umbrella of prayer i don't really think that's what prayer itself is i think that that prayer really is a time with god and and specifically like like time spent focusing on him. Like, I, I don't know uh, for me, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, I've, I've heard a lot of um, and I've purposely listened to a lot of pastors talk about um, recently is, is listening prayer and the idea that God actually, it does speak to us, you know, maybe not audibly, but God is is speaking to us, does have things for us to say, both in his word and and through his spirit. And so am I actually taking the time to listen to God? You know, if I really believe that prayer is supposed to be this this conversation, why so many times is it that I, I treat it as if it's a monologue and it's me talking to God and I'm going to spend 10 minutes and I'm going to ask him for everything that I need and I'm going to ask him for forgiveness and... and Maybe, maybe ask for him to guide me in some way or something like that, you know mm-hmm. and then that's it, and you know I say thank you amen and and that's it and that's that's really that's really not a conversation like if right if, if I said I was gonna have a conversation with you like you would expect for that to be like a a dialogue, like you would expect for both of us to interact with one another and you know there would be give and take in that conversation uh, there would be moments for both of us to speak and both of us to listen and and i think that i think that the same is true for god you know one of the things that we we talk about a lot with uh with christianity i feel like is especially in maybe like modern Protestant circles is the idea that it's a relationship. It's not a religion, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, for that to be true, like we, we have to actually like, you know, talk with one another. Like you, there, there, there has to be that time spent uh, getting to know one another. And and yet I think, I think we dismiss that part of prayer, that side of prayer in a lot of ways. And so uh, to, to, circle back around to your initial question just what is what is prayer like i i, I do think that prayer is the the basis of our relationship with christ and, and what i mean by that is like it is the it is the building blocks of how we spend our time with him and build that relationship with him like it is just time spent with him and uh, and so there are people you know that, that pray scripture uh, and pray the psalms you know and and in their time in god's word will pray over it and then There are people uh, who, and most people should probably do a variety of these things or all of these things in some form or fashion, but, you know, praying the word and then actually asking God for stuff, you know, asking Him, you know, repenting of our sins, you know, owning up to the things in the ways that we messed up, you know, today or this past week, uh, asking for, for guidance and provision, which is something that we are allowed and, and even expected to ask God for is provision in our lives. You know, He, he is that source of provision. And, uh, and then you know, asking for for other people's hat or on on behalf of other people, you know, interceding for other believers, asking for God to work in their lives and stuff, and then also just at, I think taking time to to ask God, what what is it that you have to say to me? You know, what where where do I need to be listening to you? What 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 wisdom is it that you have for me, or or simply just spending time with Him. I don't know if that answers your question the way that you were hoping it to or not. Oh,
0: no, absolutely it does. Okay, Um, good. You know, it brings me to my uh, thought I was having, you know, is I feel like I've asked this question before, um, and I do kind of know the answer, but, you know, well, I I say I've asked the question. No, other people have asked the question biblically. Um, you know how should we pray, and then we get the Lord's Prayer, um, and I feel like that is that's like that is the perfect way to open a conversation. You know, um, you know, just kind of asking God number one for your daily provision, and then I feel like it's an open-ended statement. I I feel like it's not always interpreted that way, mm-hmm. but to me, I, I definitely feel like you know Jesus ended it in a way that allowed for more conversation
1: well um, and I, I i agree and i i think that's one of the reasons that i love taking the the lord's supper in conjunction with that example that i talked about where he is praying before the cross because well i i think that you know nothing against people that uh memorize the lord's prayer like i think I think it's a wonderful prayer and one that we should take to heart and one that, you know, we, we should pray that way and for those things regularly. But when you look at the way that Jesus talked to God in that that prayer before the cross, like it doesn't, it's it's very obviously like not the Lord's prayer. There are, There are some portions of it that I think carry into that prayer, but it's not like he just— it's a clear example that when Jesus prays he doesn't just say the exact same thing over and over again he doesn't just you know pray the generalized lord's prayer like he speaks on specific things and for specific people which i think is just such a cool thing
0: right um that was i think so um in the last podcast i had with uh, my best friend you know he and i have major adhd and so, uh, we we ended up talking about I think it was Popeyes and Chick Fil A for a good couple minutes. Um, by the way, Chick Fil A superior, right? I oh, will not 100%. be taking any comments on that. I don't
1: one. I don't eat at Popeyes anymore. Like, what's the point? I have Chick Fil A. I would exactly. public now.
0: Um, but so we talked about you know the conditions of the Old Testament prayers um but what's the difference between the old testament and the new testament and uh why was that change so um radical i'd say
1: you know um i i I will say in in some part everything that i'm about to say 100% you as well as uh any listeners like take lots and lots of salt with everything <laughs> that I say. Don't don't just take it verbatim. But um, I think one of the interesting things that we kind of see in the Old Testament is that there almost seems to me to be like this gradual uh, pulling away of, of people from God. And so like we have in in the beginning, like we have Adam and Eve and they actually walk in the garden with God in the cool of the day is I think what it says. So like, there's this idea that like, they are, you know, like if, if, again, if prayer is, uh, relating to, uh, God on a personal, uh, basis and, and being able to converse with him and, and interact and relate with him, uh, in a one-on-one sense, then like, that's exactly what Adam and Eve had, you know, in the garden. Um, and and it, it seems like especially, there are still moments, you know, um, with some of the patriarchs where uh, they they get to talk with, we believe like the angel of the Lord, you know, um, which some people would say is is Jesus, uh, maybe appearing prior to, to being born as a man, um, I don't, I don't really know. That's, that's for theologians. That's not really something that I can weigh (laughs) in on. Uh, but, uh, like you, you do see him like continue to relate with them in a one-on-one, uh, basis, although it's not quite the same, uh, you know, even with, um, like Moses, like he's unable to look upon God, uh, because of his sin and you know how God warns him that, you know, like you'll, you'll die if you see me. He's, I believe the warning. Um, but Moses is still able to like sit in the Lord's presence and and be with Him, and that's why when he comes out of the tent of meeting or whatever, his face would shine, you know, in this glorious way. Um, but it's not quite the same. Like he can't he can't actually see the Lord face to face, even though he's there with Him, uh, and in His presence, it's not quite the same. And then um, you go a little bit further in Israel's history. Actually, like immediately after that, you know, they they begin to like they want Moses to wear a veil because they're scared of seeing that uh and they they kind of continue to um bring people in I, I could be wrong about this but I think that the people actually want they want i I think that they like pull away from God I think whenever he's at Mount Sinai and Moses is going up yeah God yeah. may God may warn them not to come to the mountain but I think that they I can't remember exactly the story but I think that there is a, a a part where the the people actually choose to like they they want to keep Moses in between them and God. They want Moses to have to be the one and and I think that there's some like some level of wisdom in that like they are afraid of um dishonoring God, you know, they recognize just the weight that being in his presence should carry. Uh, And so there's, there's, there's like, it's not like they're just total fools for thinking this, but there is still like a level of they, they want Moses to come in and separate them from God. They want him to be the go-between, really to protect themselves. But, but in doing so, like they, they kind of continue this gradual, separation between God and, and and man, you know, like the everyday man. And then, you know, fast forward even further, like we see later on, like they they want a king and, and all this stuff. And we eventually end up with this temple and, and there's one place where only one person, the high priest, he can go in and, and everybody else are separated kind of in layers from God further and further and further away. And and it's just this idea, I, I think, at least when I when I look at this, that we were on a trajectory of separation from God. Not just, man, we were we were separated by sin and and we're gonna stay this separated, but rather that like when sin came in, it, it began to separate it, it set us on on separate courses. And so instead of us, you know, like we were on the same line with God, you know, going in the exact same direction, you know, we were as close as we could be uh, back when it was Adam and Eve. When sin came in, instead of separating us and it being like two parallel lanes where where there's now this median between us, this sin that separates us as we go on our path, and we're going to stay equally distant from God forever, it, it, it's almost like it's this this fork in the road, and there's these diverging paths. And and you kind of see that when we when we jump tracks and and begin to indulge in sin when certain sin is first introduced to the world man continues to separate further and further and further and further from god and and so the beautiful thing is when jesus comes in that that path is set straight again instead of instead of you know just just shortening the distance between those two paths which is Kind of like every everything that we see in the Old Testament, all of the steps that, that God takes, including like with the law uh, and stuff, like they're meant to show us that like it, it is only through Christ, you know, that, that it's nothing that we can do on our own power, right? Right. Um, and so... We, we see that instead of just separating the distance between our two paths, that Christ actually corrects it. And so for, as far as prayer goes, like the difference, sorry, I know that that's a lot. I, I tend to, to ramble on and on, uh, in ways just like this. If, if you're a part of our young adults group, you, you know, this, this just <laughs> how it is. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think to answer your question, um, from that i think the way that prayer has changed is that christ has like reset us on on this new path back to being able to to step back into god's presence and 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 converse with him on a face-to-face basis in a in a way where excuse me where we don't have to be ashamed or uh, fear for our lives in the same way like there is a, a healthy fear for the lord that we read about throughout the bible um but there is also a fear i think of of god's judgment and wrath that is you know is rightfully there like that that is something to to be afraid of when we recognize that 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 god's wrath should rightfully burn against us if it was not for christ um that that we no longer have to, but with Christ, sorry, with Christ, we, we no longer have to fear that. And so all of those things that we were separating, you know, back to, back to the, the people, you know, putting, putting things in between them and God so that they wouldn't have to come face to face with him, uh, that, that is no longer the case. We no longer have to fear stepping into God's presence because of Christ. Anyways, it's this, it's this, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know what's going on with my voice, <laughs> but, um, it's this again, just like resetting of that trajectory. And so I think once again, we are, it, 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 it is as close to what Adam and Eve had, uh, that we will experience, you know, before, until Jesus comes back until we are able to, to see the father, you know, face to face, um, just like they did, um, uh, but it is kind of that, I think it's like a resetting. And so I don't, I, again, I don't know if that answered your question or not at all. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> or, in fact, Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know, going on the fear of God, you know, um, I do remember, you know, um, in some Bible studies talking about how, when ancient historians wrote Yahweh, they would immediately break whatever utensil they were writing with, um, and grab a new one. Um, just in fear that they would sully the Lord's name and be struck down. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I don't know Paul. I, I have not known Paul or uh, any of the apostles personally, but I I don't believe that they did that, um, nor the people who were writing as they spoke to them.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, on, on that, one of the things that I think is so interesting is— you know, we read in the Old Testament that, that God obviously was looking for, uh, looking to provide, like, I think a level of relational intimacy with, uh, with Israel. Like, he, he gave them His name, you know, to, to call by name. And uh, unless I'm, you know, I'm forgetting a verse in Leviticus that I've never read, like, they are actually like, He, was, he gave them His name to use it. And, and it's kind of interesting, uh, has always been interesting to me, just that we, you know, God gave us his name. If you go back to to Deuteronomy, uh, I think it's, is it not four, 34. I think it's Deuteronomy 34. Like, I believe that this is when God actually gives his name to, no, it's not 34. Where is it? Fourteen, I'm getting all my numbers mixed <laughs> up. I think it's fourteen. Let's I'm in see. numbers
0: at the moment, so I can't say I'd know. <laughs> no, it's not fourteen,
1: dude. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's somewhere. Who in knows? There. It's somewhere in there. Man, I don't know why I can't. Is it because it's not? It's because it's not Deuteronomy. It's Exodus. I'm just. I'm just dumb. That's all. Uh, but in <laughs> Exodus 34, um, when when this is after. Uh, moses has gone up to the lord and and he's given him these stone tablets and he goes down and israel is worshiping this golden calf um that they tried to make in i i believe in a in an extremely misguided attempt they were actually trying to make uh the calf in in god's image like their goal was to create a a an idol that would represent yahweh uh that they could worship. And so I don't, again, way above my pay grade, not (laughs) a professional theologian, not a PhD. But I think it's interesting that when they, when they misinterpret God in this way, they, they try to do exactly what he's commanded them not to, you know, not to make an image that represents him. Right. And Um, I,
0: and
1: go ahead. I, I'm,
0: I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a historian at all. But, um, you know, we know that in Genesis, we were made in the image of God. I'm not sure if that, I assume that that story had been passed down, uh, orally, um, mm-hmm. until it was eventually written down. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I, I feel like if they, you know, recalled that, that they would know that, you know, God is not a calf.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. You would think, but, but I. What I think is interesting is, after so so if he already if he already gave Moses this tablet and uh, he had already kind of appeared to Moses, you know, in the previous chapter and stuff, um, when when Moses goes back up after they have done this, that is when we read in 34, starting in verse five, that that god actually tells his name it says the lord came down in a cloud stood with him there and proclaimed his name the lord which is anytime you know you read in one of our one of our bibles uh lord in all caps it it is a stand-in for yahweh and so i don't know if this is the first use of of yahweh um but I, i i think that it is like i think that it's this is the moment when when God introduces Himself to Israel, not just as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. You know, all of these these uh, patriarchs of theirs, but but He gives them His name to use, and and like the idea of uh, and maybe maybe He provided it prior to this, but it it seems to me almost like a a reminder of this is who I am, and and you know, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not a calf and, and, and I have no desire for some graven image. You know, I made, you know, kind of like you were talking about man in my image. Um But rather, you know, this is, this is how you can relate to, to me personally. And, and again, unless there's a, unless there's a passage that I, I am just not aware of, uh, or I'm forgetting, like God doesn't, tell Israel to stop using his name, you know, there, there's the warning, uh, you know, not to use it in vain, Absolutely. but, but nowhere, I, as far as I know, does God tell Israel to not use his name. And, and there is kind of like this, this fear that, that almost surpasses like reverence, like, you know, cause I think that, I think that there's a, again, a good fear of the Lord, which I often hear, uh, equated to to reverence and awe of the Lord. And then there is another side that is uh, not not just further, but almost in a in a wrong or incorrect direction that is like an unhealthy fear. And uh, I, I, I kind of wonder if I think that we experience that, you know even now, like even with you know the restoration of of our relationship with the Father because of Jesus through Jesus. Like, there is still, like, you know, if you've ever been that person who, uh, as a believer, has fallen back into sin in one way or another, and there is a level of shame and of guilt, and and I think even uh, a level of fear of turning back to the Father, because we were afraid that, you know, this time it'll be too much, you know, like this time he'll reject me, which is, which is not true. You know, the, mm-hmm. the idea that Jesus came and died for all of our sins, like we, we hear that, but when we talk about not understanding that on a heart level, I think that that, that fear of the Lord, that is the unhealthy fear, not the, the proper reverence and awe. I think that sometimes this, this fear that he's going to, to be wrathful with us, like we allow that to, to, To separate us from him again you know not not on a soul level but in a on a mind maybe or a heart level like the idea that we we try to distance ourselves from god when we fall into sin i think it's the i think it's the same thing that the israelites experience you know like just this this realization that we are sinful and and god is is perfect and if we step into that with our uncleanness like he will hate us for it, which is not true. But I think that that is the fear that, that sets in.
0: I also, uh, you know, I, I am currently reading through, um, the Bible and you know, this morning, you know, I went through the chapter of, uh, Korah's rebellion, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, you know, the earth literally swallowed him up. Not, not because he didn't respect the Lord, but because he didn't respect Moses and, uh, the position that God had placed him in, um, and He said, uh, "You, they would rise up against you, O oh, my faithful servant." And uh, you know, I think it's important because Moses originally God was just going to wipe out all of Israel, the entire community. Well, I wouldn't say all of Israel, more of like all of the Levites, because He had set them aside. Yeah, but you know, Moses prayed to God. On behalf of the community um, even though they were murmuring and despised him at that point you know he still prayed for them and you know because of his actions you know the Lord spared thousands of people yeah Uh, yeah that
1: idea of interceding on on one another's behalf
0: right um so the next question I have is why is prayer so important in the Christian life? I I know we've already touched on this. Um but
1: uh yeah, I you know it, it, it it's one of those things where when we when we view prayer, you know, through that that kind of basic lens that I was talking about at the beginning, like I think we can, we can forget how important prayer is when, when prayer is just, I say just, but just uh, the means through which we ask God for stuff, uh, whether that's, you know, material things or uh, status or uh, wealth or, or even like inherently good things like uh, spiritual growth. You know uh or the salvation of others um but when we when we view it through that lens of it is just us asking God for things, you know, petitioning him for for uh his provision in some way or another um, while that is you know incredibly important and and something that I think we all need to recognize as as believers in general is just simply that like we, we absolutely must rely on the Lord's provision. I think one of the things that we, we kind of, this is a small tangent as well, but, uh, (laughs) one of the things that we, I think forget here in the Western world and and maybe especially in America, uh, and, and even more, especially when you come from like a middle kind of a middle-class family, like I did, uh, is that we are called to rely on the Lord, you know, um, jesus talks about uh the birds of the air uh, or the sparrows you know and the 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 flowers of the field and how god provides for each and every one of them and uh and how he will do so for us as well and to not worry about you know like will will you have what you need but to instead trust that the lord will provide and i think a lot of times we Maybe maybe because we don't have to, or maybe because for generations we've kind of been told that it's on us to to make a living and to, to make something out of ourselves. But we forget a lot that, that we are called to rely on God for provision in every area of our life. You know, James talks about even like uh, success in work. You know, he talks about how, um, you know, you should not say we will go to, to such and such place and and make profit you know but rather you know say god willing we will go here and, and he will you know we will do well but the idea uh is it says uh, let me just read it because i'll butcher it otherwise but <laughs> camp now you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord lives, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil, so it is sin to know the good and yet not to do it. But the idea that that we are not actually masters of our own life, and we actually can't guarantee that we will make enough money to provide for ourselves or for our family or uh, that, you know, it's, I think we've all kind of bought into the lie of if, if I work hard enough, I will eventually succeed. You know, I will, I will eventually like get to that place. And if I don't, it's because I'm not working hard enough.
0: And uh, I think also something I've noticed really in the church is that we like to, we pray um whenever we need something and you know i i have a song on my playlist by Andy Minio in one of the mm-hmm. in one of the verses he says um you know i always pray whenever uh, i need something but not when i've got everything i need um and i, I feel like i've started to kind of use prayer as a it's it's starting to become my natural reaction um, to associate God with everything that's happening in my life, whether that's good or bad. And I feel like, you know, I I feel like for me that that's showing personal growth uh, because, you know, I, during my uh, prayers, you know, I feel like all I can ever think about is, you know, what, what, has the day brought me, you know, it's brought me another day of work, another day I can get paid, you know,
1: and just being thankful. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just recognizing what, what God has, what God has provided. I think. Yeah. One, I, I absolutely think that that is a, a sign of spiritual growth. Like I think that that is, I think that's, you know, that's spiritual fruit, but, to, to kind of get back to your, your original question, Uh, you know, like, why is it important that we, that we pray, right? Like, why, why is it important for us as believers, as Christians? Why, why should we pray? Um, I, I really think that it's because that is, you know, that is the basis of how we relate to the Father, and, and being able to, you know, yes, ask for provision, but just like you said, also, like, Thank him for the ways that he has provided. You know, if I (laughs) kind of to 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 make it a a, a, an example again, but like if you and I were friends and you uh, were, let's just say you were super wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) Was hey, you're like the richest guy I know. I'm actually Jeff Uh, Bezos in disguise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I went to you and I asked you for stuff and and they were real needs um you know i i i needed help paying for medical bills and uh and let's say the the church i was working at got closed down or um something you know like out of my control like i was not you know not able to pay or was not able to provide for my family or to to pay for these medical bills or whatever and you and i are we're pretty good friends you know mhm we built a relationship up uh, and I go to you and ask you to to give me, you know, uh, some money to pay for this, or or ask for you to provide in this way, or or say you even you hear about it and and you don't, uh, you, it's not because I'm asking about it, but you you hear about my need and you provide for it without me asking it, and and I know I never acknowledge it, I, it's. Like I pretend it didn't happen. If people ask, it's because I worked hard <laughs> and and I did it myself. Like as as people, like we would I think hold enmity. Like like it would be incredibly hard not to take that personally. Uh and 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 it would be very hard, like if, if the reverse happened and I was the super wealthy guy, uh and and you did that to me, like that would be incredibly hard for me to honestly to like take to, to care about you like our our relationship would be would be broken I think in a lot of ways like if I provided for you these needs even if they were within my means and you never acknowledge it and and instead you actually claim it as your own like <laughs> that like I, I that would not be a healthy relationship and and thankfully our God is so much more gracious and merciful than I am. But, but I think it's the, I I think that idea of, like that relationship, like it would, it, it has the potential to grow in that moment. Like if, if, if I was to take that, you know, you, you provided for me in this way and, and I thank you for that and acknowledge, you know, what you did and, and, and even like just tell you what it means to me and, and that I recognize that you gave up something for me, um man and you know even uh, even if you weren't incredibly wealthy which i think is even more meaningful you know like that's the the entire picture behind god giving up himself like uh in in the form of his son jesus is that it was it was costly it wasn't it wasn't that god gave out of his abundance but but he gave all that he had and and when we you know like i think i think in the same way when we when we forget to thank god for you know the small i say quote unquote small things that he does in our lives but i think that when we when we fail to thank god for those things i think we we're probably failing to 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 give him thanks for for the very massive things and and you know just how much it means in our daily lives that he has redeemed us and stuff so
0: right and i uh, i don't think it's you know it's definitely not always conscious but i do think i think that's the biggest thing is we have to be intentional about it um yeah you know, I, I think i was way back when i lived in Lubbock, uh you know caleb was on all the time and when i'd wake up on saturday mornings you'd have a uh, louis giglio talking about intentionality <laughs> yeah. And like i i don't i don't personally like caleb but i did you know i took something away from that um even though i wasn't a believer um but yeah. with that you know i think we can skip over the next question i because i feel like that's already been answered um but you know what are some of the things that we should pray about um, that we're afraid to give god um i don't know yeah.
1: i can start off
0: with this one um but like I feel like you know personal like these little tiny things like maybe um maybe i was messing with some audio beforehand and i uh i messed it up and so i can't do with it what i need to so i have to you know retrace all these steps you know i don't i don't feel like praying to god that to help me fix this Um Because, you know, number one, I, I'm the one who messed it up. And then number two, because it just seems like such a, a tiny little deal. You know, I don't even use it, um, in my current job.
1: Yeah. I think that. Yeah, just to, to to kind of go off of that like I, I really think that the answer is, it, a very generalized answer is everything right right like the the idea that the the, the the truth is we're you know we're we're supposed to take everything to the Lord in prayer and and that that is like the the small little things in our work life uh, in our home life in our personal life the, the big things, you know, that take place in our work lives, our personal lives, our family lives, like, you know, he, he, he wants us to take it all to him. And the truth is, is that I think that it it probably depends on the, the person, you know, um, where they're actually struggling to, to give something to the Lord. But, uh, you know, for, for me, like it, it's, uh, honestly probably a lot of things but <laughs> um i i think that uh well just just a couple um one like control over my future you know like um wanting to to go to him and and just you know recognize that one i'm i'm not actually in control of what's going to happen and and that i do actually like i, I need to uh, anyways trust him with that and and pray that he will actually you know move in the you know uh the governing of the direction of my life and and where i'm supposed to go something that i've, I've wrestled with college or wrestled with since college um which i'm still in college but you know since like normal college years uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, something that I've wrestled with is, you know, like w- wanting to 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 determine where I will go and what I will do, and I think that there's a part of me that that still thinks, you know, even though objectively I understand that this is not so, in my heart, there's still a part of me that I think fears. That if I don't take control of, you know, my, my quote unquote destiny, then no one will that, you know, like there, there's a, I think a lack of faith that God will step in and will, will direct my path the way that he has promised to, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think a lot of it does come down to the individual and like, what, what are the things that, you know, we talk about like control and. And I think the the things that maybe we whether that's you know like you're you don't think God will uh or you don't want him to uh but the things in our lives that that we don't release to god they're i don't know like they there's just so <laughs> so many options I don't know how to sum that up <laughs> i guess no I absolutely agree um I,
0: think I, I i've uh spoken about before you know how uh I kind of ran away to Memphis just because everything seemed to be out of my control. Um, I had been yeah. living under my parents' roof for, you know, 18 years. And then once I turned 18, I expected to live life under my control. And, you know, when that expectation, you know, I'd say dropped into the pool of my consciousness, you know, my world went on a went on a whirlwind. Uh, you know, I... I flipped out, and I think that's why prayer has become so important to me. Is giving up that control, because I don't, I don't wanna ever want to end up like I did. If That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely understand that. And
0: that kind of leads into the last question, um, which really i only thought about um during our tuesday night cg when you were when we were talking about storms um yeah but you know do you think that some of the storms in our lives could be caused um by a lack of prayer
1: well um this is a deep so short question. yeah yeah a uh, short answer yes <laughs> um <laughs> you know what kind of one of the things that we we kind of started the conversation off talking about is just the fact that storms come into our lives, you know, all the time. And so and for not all not just all the time, but for for all all, all variety of reasons. And and so um short answer yes like i i think that it absolutely can be because uh because of a lack of prayer in our life do do i think that that god would be willing to to allow us to go through stuff you know one of the kind of one of the things that we we uh this is a whole another topic and so we won't get into it but um i don't know where i fall on the reformed scale and so the idea of predestination is not not something that I wholeheartedly disagree with, but something that I'm not wholeheartedly on board with. And so whereas somebody who I I think is a, uh, a five point Calvinist would say that absolutely like God is sovereign. And so that means that anything and everything that happens in your life, like God is causing that to happen. Whereas I, 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 I'm somewhere in between that and, you know the world is full of sin and so bad things also just happen and and uh it's like god you know allows those things to happen um but it's not because he sent it and and so i think that there's a a huge spectrum i think in between those two things and and i'm somewhere in the middle of those things so i don't think that god causes every little thing to happen. You know, I don't think he causes so-and-so to die from cancer or causes, you know, somebody to shoot up a theater and the people that they shoot to die. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not there. Um, But I do believe that God allows those things to happen. And um, with that, like, uh, I think the same thing happens in, you know, like when we are lacking in our spiritual lives, like when we are running from God, uh, or when we are dismissing Him. Uh, like I absolutely believe that God can allow tough times, you know, storms to come into our life to get our attention, to 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 remind us that what we actually need more than more than anything, more than even temporary relief in from whatever bad things are happening in our lives, what we need more than anything ultimately is him. And, and so, yes, I think that God can do that. I don't think it's every time. I don't think, cause obviously I, you know, I know people who, who go through storms and they are praying about it constantly. Uh, but yes,
0: right. Is <laughs> that it for
1: your question? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and for listeners, you know, uh, the passage that caused me to think about that was Mark 4, um, let's see, what verse is it? verse 35 um, to the end of the chapter. Um, what caught my attention was, you know, when the disciples were, you know, they woke Jesus, um, and he later in verse 40 he says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Um, I you know, I propose a question, you know, could that, could he have said that because their first response was to panic and not pray? Um, Now, I do think, you know, as believers, um, the first thing we should do is we should go to God in prayer. Um, But, you know, there could definitely have been some cultural things, um, like maybe prayer was not seen that way quite yet because jesus hadn't uh died on the cross yet but yeah
1: yeah i don't you know i don't know um one of the things you know is um well i don't know there's a couple of things one like we actually do see jesus give the example of how to pray, you know, prior to him going on the cross. Um, and, you know, I, I guess there's a question of like, does that mean that like he was just giving an example for them at that time, like how to pray when they are at the temple, you know, as close to God's presence as possible, or is he giving them an example of of how to pray whenever? And I kind of think it's the, personally, I think it's kind of the latter. Um, but as far as like, should they have prayed, or like, is he saying this because they didn't pray? Like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I personally look at that passage, and I think um, there's a level of it. I think the panicking and just like the idea that they are fearing for their lives when, when they are with, you know, Jesus, when they are with god in that in that boat and so i i think it's a a level of you know they're they're freaking out they're they're even they're even concerned May this is i don't know this is kind of off the cuff and so i don't n- know that i'm super sure about it but uh, i i have circled actually in in verse 38 don't you care that we're going to die uh and, and just that idea of don't you care and and so i don't you know it's it's hard to tell exactly what what jesus is responding to in that passage of as far as the like do you still have no faith like what he's tying that to is it is it because they didn't pray is it because they were afraid or or any of that but but personally i i see i see a thread between the don't you care and do you still have no faith like do you not trust who i am which I think connects to kind of what we were talking about on Tuesday about, you know, like a lot of times when we are in the storm, we we are concerned with, or rather we feel like God doesn't care and like he isn't there with us. And, uh, you know, when we, even when we do pray, you know, while we're in the midst of those, it feels like God is silent. And, and like, is he even listening, you know? Right. Um. And. And so I just, I, I, to, to tie that into, into prayer. Like, I I think that the, do you still have no faith is like the kind of the belief of like, do you, do you still not believe that I am always with you, that God is with you? Like Jesus himself is actually in the boat and, and they are like, you don't even care what's going on. Like we're going to die and you, you you're, you're asleep. You couldn't care less. And And I think that, you know, again, like in prayer, like, I think we do the same thing. I think that we, we, if, if we pray, if we pray to God about those things, if it's not answered immediately, a lot of times for, for me personally, like the response is, or my reaction is to, to think, well, God must not care like this, you know, this actually doesn't matter to him. And, and even like, I think that bleeds into, if, if we believe that lie the the next time that we're going through a storm or or the next day when that storm is still there like the the desire to go to God in prayer about it if we don't actually believe that he's there or that he cares or that he's listening or any of that then then why would I ever take it to him you know right. and and so I, I wonder if maybe that's the the lack of faith that jesus is talking about it's just simply you of you have little faith you know like don't you trust who I am and that I am here with you and that I care for you and and that what you're going through in this moment, that I, I actually do care to, to see you through it, that that I, I'm going to walk through it with you, you know that I that, that my heart is actually present with with you in this moment. I, 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 I think that that's maybe maybe what it is.
0: Well, I think with that, um, we're about out of time. But uh, thank you for so much for coming on this podcast. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I hope that people listen to your next episode uh, after they try to listen to mine and me <laughs> ramble. And so <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I hope that I haven't just killed your podcast for you.
0: <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, uh, I, I believe Tyler is uh, next week.
1: Oh, good. People will definitely come back, I think, after that. Um, and. You know, I know
0: that. we, we kind of touched on it in this episode, but next episode uh, is supposed to be on provision. I mean, oh, of course. That's awesome. Oh, that's that's
1: beautiful. Did you plan that?
0: Um, no, actually, because um, so Tyler was uh, supposed to be on today. And then, you know, he with the college retreat tomorrow, he totally blanked on that one. And I was thinking <laughs> about it to myself. I was like, hmm. Um and so I had already, I had actually written out a revision episode um, months ago when I was just thinking about starting a podcast. Um, yeah. I say months ago, more like a month ago, but yeah. <laughs> um, but I- oh, I love that.
1: God worked it out for sure. Exactly. Like, I, I love that.
0: Um, but yeah, um, this is episode two of- Untitled Jesus Talks, is there anything that you want to say or plug or anything like that?
1: Uh, You know, always, you know, if if you're a young adult, if you're 22 to 30 in Lubbock (laughs) and you're looking for community, come to IBC. Uh, There are other churches, obviously, too, that would be awesome. But if you're looking and you listen to this podcast, check out IBC. But also I would just say just on the subject of prayer, like it is – Something that I've wrestled with for a long time, and this is the last thing I'll say I'll promise this is a short little I'll keep it simple <laughs> uh it is it is a long long, slow journey to maturity in prayer life, like it is something that that I feel woefully inadequate in my own prayer life, like it is something that. And I'm, I feel like leaps and bounds ahead of where I, I was, you know, just a few years ago. Uh, and so for, for you, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, like my prayer life isn't where it needs to be. Like, um, I would just encourage you that one that, Hey, that's okay. Like most people that, that is the like most believers, most committed believers, I would say that their prayer life has so much room for improvement and that's okay like it is a a part of you know the same way that when i met my wife even after we had been dating for several years like the way that i relate to her and and my my closeness with her has continued to to change you know and and the way that i relate to her and and the intimacy that we experience even you know i'm a year and a half into marriage now and it's something that like continues to grow and and there are ebbs and there are flows to it but it's something that that i think i you know we have grown in intimacy and i think that's that's true of us and the lord as well that it's something that as long as we continue to pursue that closeness with him like we will grow in uh, and and if you're sitting here and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, ah, I think I'm I'm good with my prayer life, like ah, like I, I would I would encourage you to to really think about, man, like, am I am I connecting to and relating to with the Lord on a perfect level? The answer will be no. Uh, and and when you eventually arrive to that conclusion, like I would just encourage you to pursue the Lord in that way. That's it. That's all I got.
0: Thank you guys for listening, and um, I will see you guys next week.